and welcome to Comadres and Comics. This is episode number 36, and we're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Welcome back, girls. Uh, so we're very excited. Why are we excited, guys? We are in a brand new, very fancy, fancy. studio. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It's super beautiful in here. And I know you guys can tell from the audio quality, too. So very excited here. Well, I, I'm a little sad because at this studio, we don't have um, a little Latina waitress bringing us food and water <laughs> like we did at our others. Uh, FYI, that was Sarah. <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> uh, so anyway, girl, let's go right into it. What's the Chisme de la Semana, Jen? So Chisme de la Semana is going to be in three parts. And I'm pretty sure most people have heard about this right now. But it was announced that Ruby Rose is going to be taking up the mantle of Batwoman. And they're, they are planning a TV show, but it's not fully set up. And I read this in an Entertainment Weekly article that they're still on the fence about whether they're going to be producing that TV show, but she is going to be premiering in a crossover event with Green Arrow, Flash, and although there's not DC Legends of Tomorrow, which mm-hmm. apparently they've been cast aside or whatever. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because when they originally did, I- I've watched one of the crossovers, and when they mm-hmm. did the crossover, I think it was during some holiday, I don't remember, it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, Legends was uh, involved, because that's the one episode of <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow I've watched. <laughs> Dang. So, yeah, I used to watch it uh, but it wasn't um, I just stopped watching it but yeah uh, one of the characters was from the Arrow show Mm-hmm. And then I think they even had Constantine on one of them. Well, those. I was going to say, Constantine uh, um, has joined them mm-hmm. um, since I've watched. And that is one of the reasons I kind of am interested in going back. Yeah. But I just wasn't familiar with a lot of those characters. And so there was mm-hmm. no ta- buy-in for me. But I hear such good things about it. So Yeah. Yeah. No, but so uh, it's going to be a crossover event that's going to be happening in the winter. Mm. Uh, so this is when she's going to be premiering. But... The other half of this chisme is that Ruby Rose has quit Twitter because what? of the backlash. Yes. Are you serious? There's there backlash. Is, there's backlash. There's and always backlash. There's always backlash. And this wow. one is actually in two parts. One, because she's going to be portraying a queer character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batwoman is a lesbian, and we reviewed, yeah, we reviewed um, the book, um, the book uh, a couple of episodes ago. That was a um, lot of episodes <laughs> ago. That was, it was a lot of episodes ago. It was and episode 11, actually. Episode yeah. 11. And we specifically reviewed it because it had a La Llorona storyline yes. to it that we thought was really well done. Uh, the, the, the the volume 1 Hydrology was yes. the book. Yes, Volume 1 yeah. Hydrology. And um, uh, well, so there's that, and I'm just like, oh, well, homophobia is still well and alive in 2018. Mm. Uh, the other part is that uh, Kate Kane, who is Batwoman, who Ruby Rose will be, is Jewish. And a lot mm. of people wanted a Jewish actress portraying Kate Kane. Ah, I see. And uh, she's been receiving a lot of criticism, and some of them not very, like, very, not even, like, critical. They're mostly just mean and wow. kind of offensive. Uh, directed at her because she is uh, a genteel portraying a Jewish uh, woman. So wow. it's uh, it's an interesting bit of criticism. I just think, like, if it's, if it's like, super, super bad, like, come on, people. Calm, calm the F down. Like, you don't need to be rude about it. I think there is... A, there should be some criticism due to it because Kay Kane is a Jewish woman and we don't in comics that is actually has been confirmed being Jewish mm-hmm. and it would have been 
nice like that's understanding to have a jewish actress but like people being like like sending death threats and stuff like that oh wow that's extra yeah that's like extra like calm the fuck down have some civility please um so well well, i like her i i saw her on uh orange is the new black i've heard a lot of um really good talk about (laughs) about her uh role on that uh, TV show. I mm-hmm. I haven't. I stopped watching Orange Is the New Black. I think after season two. Um, I just never went back to it. But um, when she came on, I remember mm-hmm. it like blowing up all over. That people were just so um, mm-hmm. like they really loved the character that she played and just the her acting and everything. Yeah, yeah. she was really good in John Wick too. I believe. Was oh, yes. Two or three, but yeah, yeah it was John Wick too. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. really great in that one too. I I I enjoy her. I enjoy. She's very beautiful she's a good actress and mm-hmm. um so i'm excited about this uh yeah i am too so um uh, the series is in development and stuff like that they're not sure whether it's going to kick off or not but they are developing a uh, batwoman series but that wow. is that part of the jesus i love me some kate kane <laughs> <laughs> kate kane is awesome uh and speaking of more um uh, lgbt characters Chandra from Magic the Gathering is going to get her own comic book series. And now Chandra is a confirmed lesbian planeswalker from Magic the Gathering. Mm. And she's getting her own comic series coming out in a couple of months. And um, uh, in 2013, IDW did the Magic the Gathering series. Yeah. Um, uh, and it wasn't <laughs> very womp, womp. good. <laughs> that, was a, that was a lot of criticism about it. Because it, it was not good. And I actually did pick up. Yeah, uh, some of the books that we had at the shop a long, long time ago. Yeah, uh, and yeah, they weren't good. So wow. hopefully, this will be better. It's gonna be written by Vita Ayala, who's done oh. um, um, yeah, she's done stuff for um, uh, Puerto Rico Strong. Awesome. Yeah. And so you're telling me that there is a Latina creator that is gonna be involved in this Magic the Gathering yes. comic. That's amazing. Yes. Yes. Uh, Sarah, looks like you're gonna um, be dragged along with uh, <laughs> Jen. <laughs> into this uh, foray of magic that I have, um, that we are both <laughs> deeply entrenched in. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And so she's also done other stuff. She's done um, a Suicide Squad for DC. She's done some stories for Supergirl and Bitch Planet Triple Feature oh, as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she's uh, she's pretty prolific. She's uh, she's done quite a, um, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and the artist is going to be uh, Harvey Monte- Montesillo. Uh, Tolibao, who is a Filipino comic book artist, what? and he's nice. done stuff for um, uh, Batman Rebirth, uh, mostly for DC, X Men Two, Green Arrow, mm. I believe. Yeah, he's done stuff for Avengers, Danger Girl, uh, Psylocke, uh, Darkhawk. So he's also a pretty prolific artist. So it's gonna be. It. I hope they do a well job, and if it's Vita who's writing it, I am pretty sure that she. Um, uh, that she'll do a great job. Um, um, and I hope they include the fact that Chandra is queer. Yeah. Uh, and she's one of the one of the few conf- uh, confirmed queer characters in Magic: The Gathering. Well, I just love that they went with a female planeswalker. Yeah, and the interesting one. <laughs> I mean, they could have like the obvious one would have been Liliana. Yes, Liliana's yes. already had her like her own thing, and she has a lot of content. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they they chose Chandra. She's she's really cool, and um um. 
<laughs> and it's really funny because they describe her as someone who'd rather burn the world than face her problems. <laughs> wow. So, you what know what? Jen <laughs> is just like... <laughs> I can relate to that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like Chandra in uh, in game and in story. She's she's really good. So I she's she's one of my faves. Yeah. So uh, I'm very excited for this, and it's gonna be. They haven't given us a release date, but um, uh, I think uh, they said sometime in November, right? I believe so. They haven't really. Well, like, I feel I I want to find out is um. Uh, are the creators local? Who? What can we do in the shop? This sounds like an amazing opportunity to do a crossover event with Magic and Comics. That yes, that would be. You know what? I Vita has a Twitter, mm-hmm. so I'm, let's get on that. We, are, we definitely have to get on that. That's <laughs> that would be a cool in-store event that yes. we can do. And that I think people will turn out to because Absolutely. Chandra is a beloved co- uh, character yeah. in uh, the magic community. Uh, and she's very good in mono red decks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now on to the last piece of chisme. Fox has a Simpsons sequel uh, planned as well as a Bob's Burger and Family Guy movie. I don't think well. I even what? ever saw the first Simpsons movie. Was it any good? It was good. It was it was funny and it was uh uh it was it was, it was pretty interesting. Okay. Yeah. Didn't they get to say the F word or something? Yes, that was <gasps> yeah. the big Which thing. character? Uh Homer. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I oh. wish I wish it was Bart. <laughs> 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 they they might let him drop the F bomb <laughs> this uh this time around. But um um no yeah, it's um um it's I'm super excited for that, especially a Bob's Burger film yes. because I love love Bob's Me Burgers. Me too. Uh don't really have any like stuff as to when it will be coming out, but it's going to be um uh, in partner with DreamWorks. Oh wow. Yeah, so that's going to be that's going to be interesting. DreamWorks, which who's the big producer dude that's involved with DreamWorks? Mm. Um, there's a isn't a, a big. It's my mind is uh, yeah, it, yeah blank, but there's a big name behind <laughs> DreamWorks. Wow, too bad we don't have these like little computer things that, mm. that go into the hand. palm of our hand <laughs> that make stuff happen. But I'm excited mm. about all of those projects. Google yeah. who's in DreamWorks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like it's it's interesting because of the Fox Disney purchase. So you would have think oh Disney yeah. would have helped out with it, but I think they're still like. Uh, they're still working with DreamWorks for a bit uh, before they move on to like really working with Disney or maybe there's some contract stuff that's going like oh we were going to work with you up to this year mm-hmm. and then they're like oops looks like we sold to Disney uh, we're going to have to figure something out <laughs> just kidding it was Steven Spielberg that's the name I'm trying to think of mm-hmm. oh okay <laughs> but look towards that uh, in the future you know that those are going to be coming out and I, I'm a uh, uh, well, I, I like the Simpsons and I like the first Simpsons movie and like uh, the, I think we'll always get Simpsons content. Yeah. But I'm really excited for the Bob's Burger movie. Yes, me I want to see that. I want to see some more f bombs drop. I I hope that actually it um, leads to a lot more uh, growth of the fan base for the TV show because I'm I'm always shocked that there's so many people still that don't watch Bob's Burgers. I mean, oh really? my God, this I, is so I, amazing! I have never watched it. Oh, <gasps> I know. Sarah, I know. I know. How could so, you? So, <laughs> um, 
I know. I got to We'll be taking open cart. applications <laughs> for our Commodity <laughs> Comics uh, co-hosts. <laughs> now that you guys don't need me anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Must watch Bob's Burgers. Okay, yeah. will do. I'll get on that. So... One last piece of cheese is actually something that um, is coming up, uh, an event that is coming up at Heidi Ho Comics oh, in a yes. couple of weeks. And oh, this is um, the the main uh, set off to our big promotion of our Border Town number one signing that we're going to have at Heidi Ho Comics on New Comic Day, September 5th. It's a Wednesday, so you know a that Wednesday. if you read comics, that new comics come out every Wednesday. And we'll be having it at Heidi Ho Comics, which is at their new location, 412 Broadway in Santa Monica from 6 to 8. And Eric Esquivel will be there signing copies of number one. And Comadesi Comics, we will be there. We are sponsoring a arts and crafts section for all ages. We're going to have arts and crafts that all um, relate to um, Aztec mythology because um, once you read the book, you'll see the tie-in. Yeah. And we're also going to have Latinx-themed food. Yes. So far, we know there's going to be horchata and elote. Yeah. So Elotes. <laughs> it's on a first-come, first-served basis. Once it's out, it's out. Yes. Yeah, so you um, need to put it in your schedule right now to be at Heidi Ho Comics on September 5th. It's a Wednesday from 6 to 8. Mm-hmm. On your schedule, schedule. <laughs> I don't know how they say. It. I've always wanted to say it that way, but I, I can't. I never do that. Schedule, schedule, schedule. Okay, guys. Um, so, what time is it, Kristen? It's beer review time. Hey. <laughs> so today. Um, we're recording a little early today, so I'm a little scared that Je- uh, Sarah has brought us a double IPA. <laughs> I tried to do something different, but guys, look at this can. It's amazing. Oh, it's oh so cute. My God. And I just couldn't pass it up. I, okay. I, I was like, the girls will love the can, and I think they'll appreciate this. So. I, okay, the fact that it has an old school um, arcade game right there on the front is super awesome. Okay, this is this might not mean anything to you guys, but okay, Overwatch is having a summer event right now, uh-huh. and one of the characters that I main, her name is Mora, just got a skin that was, I guess it was the Irish flag or whatever, but it's green, orange, and white. And when I saw that, I saw it, and I'm just like, did Sarah bring us Gerade? <laughs> Because me and my friends have taken to calling it the Gatorade skin. That's funny. Well, this isn't Gatorade. This is a a, a start double IPA from Bottle Logic Brewing. Have we done Ooh. Bottle Logic before? Uh, no, and they're in Anaheim. Okay, so interesting. But it, oh my it's God. a double IPA, and oh my gosh, it's a hazy IPA. Which uh, it's actually not as hazy as what we've seen, but look at there's yeah. like things there's floaters in it. What? This, it looks like little stars. Yeah, this beer looks like that was I not gave what it. it came, that was not what <laughs> this I beer looks like I gave it to my little nephew, and he took a drink and just left all his floaters in it. Yeah, that's, but that's um, so gross. <laughs> that, that's Public announcement: Don't give your beer to your nephews. <laughs> but <laughs> but this is a nine percent ABV. Sorry, guys. Oh my god, I haven't eaten anything. <laughs> I <eat> breakfast. <laughs> so this is a double IPA from oh from Konami Code Hazy IPI AP, uh, IPA series. So Konami Code 
series, so that's why all the gaming stuff on the yeah, exactly. on the mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm familiar with can. Konami. That's so cool. Okay, so it's a Northeast style IPA can series. Um, this double IPA makes a bold move with an outrageously over the top blend of mosaic, Eldorado, and Galaxy hops for a citrus driven, freshly juiced flavor. You'll find familiar background layers of dank, piety citrus featuring new character notes of exotic tropical fruit with peach and piney brightness. Start is full-bodied and fruity with a resinous finish. Yes, I see the resin all in my little cup. (laughs) Uh, And it says, get ready for the boss level. Uh, Can I just say that before even drinking it, that this description and the can and everything, I love it. And what I also love is this like look of complete disgust on Jen's face after she took a drink. (laughs) No, I haven't. I just smelled it. Oh, okay. And also, it's just... There's a cute... Have you ever left water out in a glass? Yes. And how the f- stuff at the bottom forms? Yes. That's... Oh, my God. That's... That... Why do you have to ruin it for me? <laughs> I mean, it, it looks gelatinous. <laughs> okay. Stop. You're it's not, not, giving you're me not any... helping it. You're not, not helping it. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be the, the, um, the strong one and take a sip. <laughs> There's so there, The artwork up. on this can is just amazing. There's Ooh. a BLT sandwich, and it says, try it with this, so... You can pair this with the BLT. Listen, I was scared right now, and I faced my fears, and I took a drink. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah, I enjoy it. I You're love, right. I love, <laughs> I, I love the it, artwork. It's, the it's artwork good. I, I do like I do like the artwork for the can now that I can actually see it, and I wasn't viscerally reminded of the ugliest skin to come out. Um, um but it's. Uh, I can taste that fruity. Yeah, I can tropical taste, fruity. I can take taste the fruitiness of that, and I like it. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Uh, it says drink manual, keep cold, forty five degrees, pour into a glass or not, <laughs> and then <laughs> it has a little a little beaker and says made with science. That's cute. That's says, adorable. Please, okay. I mean, it's kind of unwind. Just the can alone makes. Me, I mean, as I say, the aesthetic yeah. just. Uh, uh, before you drink it is just I really like it. Okay. That's um, that's pretty charming. That's pretty charming. <laughs> and as Sarah mentioned, it is uh local ish to Los Angeles. It is in Anaheim and the address of the brewery is one zero seven two North Armando Street and that's in Anaheim nine two eight zero six. Anaheim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Anaheim. Uh, my brother goes out to Anaheim to this particular brewery, um, and he has nothing but good things to say about it. Oh, so, cool. Um, so apparently it's a really nice brewery, and my brother feels really good about traveling all the way over there to have yeah. some beer. So it speaks highly about the brewery itself. Um, I, I'm ready to rate it, guys. Yeah, what sure. about you guys? Uh-huh. Um, well, let's start with Jen, because I felt like you were on the fence. I was on the fence, mostly because when I took a whiff of it, all I got slapped in the face with was, like, (laughs) that hoppy smell. And I was just like, oh, my God, I'm going to taste nothing but hops, and I'm going to die. Um, But I I actually like it. I actually like how it tastes. Um, Mm -hmm. um, Visual visual reminders aside, (laughs) I'm going to give it a full. Nice, nice. So, like I said... 9.0 double IPA is Mm. like it it's hit and miss um for somebody who doesn't like IPA hoppy 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 and this Mm -hmm. uh, description definitely said dank Mm -hmm. so to me I was like oh my gosh this is going to be really there's going to be a really bitter aftertaste there wasn't and 
I can taste the fruitiness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when beers claim to have fruitiness, um, it's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. Um, And even if it's there, it gets covered with that, just that real hopping IPA um, flavor at the end. And this doesn't have it at all for me. The one thing I would say is um, if you're drinking this, you know, just with friends or at a barbecue or whatever, it's uh, 9.9%. Um, be careful a one and done um, I would say but I'm going with a rigid I really really like it a lot yeah yeah. you know what I'm gonna second that Um, this is Sarah and I'm gonna give it a rigid as well Mm -hmm. not only is the can just lovely and just wonderful and makes puts me in a good mood just to see it but the uh, the drink itself I I know you say it's a nine percent but I don't really feel it I know that's why it's It's very dangerous Mm-hmm. So, um, and I like that. And I actually like those little, little floaties. No. <laughs> they, look, they look like little stars, like a little okay. constellation, Listen, a little galaxy inside. If they were neon color and they glowed in oh, the yeah. dark, I'd be on board. All right. Okay, if, let's if make they, that happen. If, if they were that, I would have gone full rigid. As is, the, the visual reminder definitely detracts from it, and that's why I went with a full. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that concludes, I guess, our beer review. It's a two rigids and a full. Yeah. And now it's time for our beer review. Oh, be- <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> our, our it's, book it's that nine percent. Um, uh, our it's our book review, guys. What are we reviewing today? Well, today we have a book called Photographic: The Life of Graciela Iterbide, and this I'm sorry, that, that book... deserves a, uh, an applause. <laughs> of course, <laughs> this book came um, across my radar because Jen actually uh, ordered mm-hmm. it when she saw it in previews um, as a book that was coming out brand new, and when it came into the shop, I was doing the inventory, and I saw it. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this looks really interesting!" So I took it, and I fully intended for it to be an on my radar book um, mm-hmm. a couple of episodes back but we had so many on my radar that particular episode that I never got to it and um, in the interim I uh, Sarah asked to read it so she read it and she loved it oh, and so totally. we just decided instead of just doing an on my radar that we we're going to do a full on book review so um, I just want to kind of read the back um, oh, yes, of absolutely. it to give people a little feel because the one thing that I really really not the one thing one of the things <laughs> that I really love about this book is it's so different from anything we've ever done on the show um, it, it's, yeah it is yeah. it definitely is um, it's a biography and um, the the way that it's written kind of goes back and forth between the um, the first person um, and then also just the, the creators kind of um, telling us a little bit about Graciela. Mm-hmm. So the back of the book just uh, mentions, born in Mexico City in 1942, Graciela Iterbide wanted to... Uh, wants to be a writer, but her conservative family has a different idea. Although she initially follows their wishes, she soon grows restless. After tragedy strikes, she turns to photography to better understand the world. The photographic journey she embarks on takes her throughout Mexico and around the globe, introducing her to fascinating people and cultures and eventually bringing her success and fame. With more than two dozen photographs by Iturbide herself, Photographic explores the question of what it means to be an artist. Well, I love this book, and I love that introduction. It actually kind of sums it up for us, um, and it's cool because it's 
you know, and it it's sort of a little bit magical for me. This book was uh, because I felt like it was kind of like a poem. Yes, was, uh, it was very much written in that way. It was mm-hmm. very poetic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm actually what you both of you just <laughs> said is very funny because in the back of the book, um, mm-hmm. there are some quotes from Graciela where she says it makes her she gets mad when people describe her work as magical. And I know you said it was magical for you that it wasn't <laughs> magical, but she said that it that that um makes her upset that she her goal is to create poetry with mm-hmm. her photos so yeah. i i think that that oh, wow. that's very <laughs> like the fact that that yeah. came across in what we read and that the creators actually honed into that yes, and absolutely. they created this uh graphic novel around her story um i mean they they hit that goal uh so definitely um the way that they presented this uh, work and her life and everything was like right on point. You know, and I'd like to know exactly where, how did they get inspired to, 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 to do this, especially Isabel Quintero who um, chose uh, this photographer to do a graphic novel on. It just, um, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't even know where where her mind was at, how she was inspired or how she even uh, t- took on that endeavor, because obviously, you know, like the person herself is going to read it. So, so yeah, uh, <laughs> so, yeah like, I, that could be a little nerve wracking yeah. for sure. But in the back, there's a little bit about the um, the creators. And so there's a little bit about both Isabel um, Quintero, who is the writer, and Zeke Peña, who is the is he the, the artist? The artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Isabel actually was approached. Um, by somebody to um, ask her if she was interested in writing a manuscript um, about the life of renowned uh, renowned photographer Graciela Iturbide. And she took it as a sign because actually um, she, after in 2007, after she had gained her BA in English and an MA in English composition, she um, went to the Getty Museum for the first time and Graciela's, uh, one of Graciela's exhibits was there. Oh, Wow. And she says that she was very, very, um, like, affected by that. And so when she was approached to do this um, to do this project, she was like, of course, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And it's interesting because Zeke has a similar story in that um, when she, he writes about how when he was a kid, he took a backpacking trip through northern Mexico with his dad and a 35-millimeter camera, a few rolls of black and white film, and a small book of Graciela's <gasps> photography. Wow. So they each both were affected by Graciela before they even took on this project. So when it came as an opportunity for them to participate and to work on this project together, there was no way that they could turn it down. Well, oh, wow. When you put it that way, I mean, that's <laughs> quite amazing. And I, you know, I really, you know how I always talk about the pairing, like uh, the beautiful marriage between a writer and an artist in a comic book. Yes. And this is definitely one of the best uh, examples of a wonderful pairing between an artist and a writer um i i found it kind of really compelling how it's in black and white yes and how um they take actual pictures that she took picture uh, that she took mm-hmm. and then they uh, then he second draws them yes um, and then it kind of makes it a whole new art like it, like it um I don't want to say it breeds in new life. I want to say it 
it almost transforms it in something new, even though it's a kind of a, 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 a almost a mirror image of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't want. I don't no, know. No, I saying. totally understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand what you're saying because it almost kind of talks to uh, Graciela's um, way that she herself describes her photography. That mm-hmm. using her bird's eyes, mm-hmm. that through photography she enters another world yeah. and that in in taking her photographs and then um basically imagining translating them into graphic form it's almost uh-huh. like another world layered on top because mm-hmm. now we're seeing what she saw in her photograph but now we're kind of we're seeing it through Zeke's eyes right mm-hmm. and so I thought that was amazing to see the artist in this book's rendition of actual photographs that they include here in the book mm-hmm. is just so super um cool to see that and to see what his interpretation was of mm-hmm. it as well exactly. because they both they've done multiple interviews mm-hmm. with people who knew her who mentored her or who know her she's not dead she's yeah. she's alive people you can she's, <laughs> she's alive she's still very much active yeah she's yeah. very she's still active photography mm-hmm. she's still doing photography right now yes yeah and i'm um, um thinking about how you said like you really liked zeke's um uh, artwork what I really loved about his artwork and about the photographs and about herself and what she said, uh, I have this big thing about photography and um, um, how I it's um, uh, I kind of don't like it, especially from professional photographers mm-hmm. when they go to third world countries uh, or yeah. other like other countries where they're not from, yeah. and they take pictures of people yes. without their permission. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, like it's it's a really big thing. Uh, I I don't know if I've said in this in this podcast, but when I was in Guatemala, um, um, uh, my sister and my mom they were wearing um, um the classic uh basically Guatemalan uh, outfit, which is a corte, a huipil, and um, um, and a cinta. I forget the, what the name is, like what the actual name for yeah. it is. But I guess the pro- closest approximation I could get to it is maybe like an, a Japanese obi. Oh, okay. That basically yeah. holds the outfit together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were speaking in Quiche, which is one of the dialects that's, um, uh, that's common in Guatemala that's the native Mayan tongue. Right. Uh, and they were basically haggling with uh, with this woman about a price of a shirt that I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and um, my mom and my sister, they're basically haggling. It's a whole process that you have to do that I didn't, when I was younger and I would go to Guatemala, I did not get. Yeah. I didn't get, but it's a, it's a thing that you do that's be, and that if you haggle, basically you're from there. Right. If you don't haggle, you're immediately outed as a tourist. Yeah, as wow. not and then from tra- charge twice as much. And you, oh my God, you're a tor- you're a twice, not twice. You get charged three times, Jeez. four times uh-huh. the price wow. of something. Uh, but they were they were doing that, and I was there on the sidelines, and this woman, a tourist, because uh, one she's white, and two she had a very fancy camera with her, mm-hmm. stopped, looked at my mom and my sister and the woman who uh, and the woman and picked up her camera and was going to take a picture without their permission. Oh, uh-huh. And I was like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I spoke to her in English, which is, which is basically... Took her off guard, probably. <laughs> yeah, oh, I definitely <laughs> took her off guard. I was the most modern dress there, but I know I definitely caught her off guard. Yeah. But she was going to take a picture 
without their permission. Right. And that always angers me, especially when I see it in Guatemala and when, I, when I'm there, are American or European tourists coming and taking a picture without asking mm-hmm. permission and stuff like that. And there's a, a like getting recognition for work and they win hundreds of dollars and stuff like that or win awards and the people who they took a picture of get nothing. Right. They don't, they, they got their privacy invaded a moment of their life stripped away from them and uh Their all for souls the benefit were captured yeah I'm just kidding <laughs> yeah, i mean in a, mo- in, a, in a in a manner of speaking that's yeah. what photography is it's right. capturing in the book it says capturing the past and the present right. at the same time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but how she describes it and how she does her work she said she doesn't take a picture and she doesn't publish it without the permission yeah. of the person mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. she was in um the was, artist's hometown yeah um uh was it where she, they had the the lady with the iguanas on her head? Yes, where the uh, where the women <clears throat> where the women were uh, the kind of <laughs> it was uh-huh. kind of reversed. The women were the breadwinners. And, oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I I, I want to go to that town by the way. Uh huh. That <laughs> yeah that that actually part of the story Huchitan. was really mm-hmm. interesting was to me. Really interesting. But um, uh, in Huchitan, uh, when she says that um, uh, when she was there, and she's like. They have to look at me. There has to be an acknowledgement mm-hmm. of the picture being taken. I thought that one that's incredibly, incredibly respectful um, uh, and that that is how it should be done. You should be able, the person should be able to look at you in the eye and look at the camera in the eye. It shouldn't be a moment stolen. It should be a moment shared. Mm-hmm. And that's how she described it. Yeah. And that immediately made me respect her as a photographer. And like, yeah, she's she's Mexican and she's taking photos uh, of the of the native people, the indigenous people there. But like and like that, like maybe gives her like more credit. Like it does give her more credentials mm-hmm. and stuff like that as a, someone who can be taking because she's taking pictures of her home. Mm-hmm. But even then, that's uh, that's kind of like an invasion of privacy as well as because she's not indigenous. She's not. Yeah. She's yeah. She's but not I, indigenous. I do recall, like, <clears throat> she, uh, matter of factly, ran across the lady with the iguanas on her head, and then mm-hmm. she did ask her. Can that's I what take I'm saying your... is that yeah. she takes it. That she asked if she could take it, and the woman said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's one thing. Mm-hmm. E- even when she's taking pictures of the the funeral, she she mm-hmm. we see the picture of. Um, them taking uh, no it was they were burying a body or something mm-hmm. and and it um specifically says this is the last time i take a picture of death without without permission mm-hmm. um um because and and that's what she's saying is that mm-hmm. that it's so important for her to basically i think it comes down to basic respect yeah um of people that she isn't mm-hmm. the the type of photographer to just um uh take advantage i mm-hmm. guess and so basically that the fact this book was able to portray the fact that she respected yes. her images and what she was taking a picture of. And I I thought that was incredible. And I really, really loved that. I found it super interesting um, that her very first major commission was uh, from um, the Instituto Nacional Indigenista. So the, the National Institute of Indigenous Peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is super cool to me. It was formed in 1948 by the Mexican government to design culturally sensitive policy regarding the indigenous people of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they actually commissioned her um, leads me to believe that, that they knew her work and that they had talked to her and they knew that she was the right person because she was going to deal with that project respectfully. Mm-hmm. And 
<clears throat> and that I think that is really really awesome. Well, her story um, is super interesting too because I mean she married young and mm-hmm, she started to, to have children. Yep. Um, and then she went back to school. Yep. Back to yeah. college, and then she eventually I think the she got divorced. Correct. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you have kids or, oh, you, you know, you got married. Your life is over. Well, mm-hmm. for women, not men. Yeah, for women. But, <laughs> and, but for her, in her case, it actually, I think, propelled her to want to further her education. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because um, in the story, we, we follow her story from being a young girl um, stealing photographs from her dad's study <laughs> yeah. and and, um, and not having her not, not having uh, not liking having not liking her, her own picture, her being, own picture taken. being taken yeah to her growing up going away to Catholic boarding school and you know and then actually becoming a photographer and having multiple mentors and a lot of people who just were um, huge um, influences in her artistic life so we we kind of go on that journey with her through this book and I really found it interesting that um, uh, the opportunities that were afforded to her because of the fact that she she's from Mexico and she's from um, a pretty well-off family right Mm -hmm. so a lot of these opportunities came from the fact that she was able to get an education yeah which is not the norm no it's for women in in Mexico in Mexico yeah plus I don't I don't remember, but did they say that her husband was, um, in fact, um, not helping her, but like encouraging her to further her education, or was it an obstacle? No, they didn't say I anything. I don't think they at mentioned. All. They, okay. Uh, basically, um, uh, what they mentioned was that um, uh, her daughter, the tragedy that they speak of, um, uh, uh, which was basically her daughter passing yeah. away is what in incentivized her to continue with it. It, was, it wasn't that she was stopped or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they didn't really mention the husband at all. We don't even really know that they basically separated it until towards the end of yeah. the book. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that she she talks about how her dad, because she was stealing pictures and things like that, gave her a brownie um, camera when she was a kid. And she specifically says, and if you think that this was like the the grand <laughs> big uh, thing in my story that created me as a photographer and like was the impetus for me to become this very well-renowned photographer, you'd be wrong. Like I, it was not a big deal to me. And it was the fact that when her daughter died, she was lost. She just didn't know. I think most importantly, what what they conveyed in the book, she didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. the fact that um, she was able to see, quote unquote, through mm-hmm. birds' eyes. And there's the theme of birds um, mm-hmm. in the right. whole entire story. Mm-hmm. And I really love mm-hmm. uh, that part of it. But that her camera was her window into another world. And she wanted to find herself there mm-hmm. um, is what I got the story. And so um, to me, like Jen says, that was her incentive to continue to take pictures and to kind of find her place in the world through her photography. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was a really excellent book. I mean, it's it's a beautiful hardcover. It's a black and white uh, art, uh, along with some photography from, um, from the photographer Graciela. So, um, and then the story written itself, it it's sort of like it to me. It felt like. Like I said, it's magical, but also like a poem and sort of like a dream, mm-hmm. like uh, recalling a dream 
that you just and, woke up and you're like remembering your dream. Mm-hmm. And she said that one of her inspirations was uh, Brasai. Yes. Um, uh, who said specifically said that reality uh, that artwork shouldn't be based in reality and like uh, and basically what, like trying to capture what's what's real and mm-hmm. stuff like that. It mm-hmm. should be based off of dreams mm-hmm. and because uh, dreams reveal human nature. And stuff like that. And the whole like recurring dream that she had of the man with the birds and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, I think that that that's very well captured here. And mm-hmm. um, um, and then to some to some point, I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that with the whole um, because um, you can see the how she was influenced by her maestro mm-hmm. um, uh, and by like the Frida Kahlo. Oh, yeah, that's another a, thing. That's a realism and yes. everything. But how she kind of made it her own personal work. Uh, she basically she kind of diverged from that as well because uh, there's a lot of so I can see why she she doesn't like it when her stuff is described as magical. Um, uh, or I think she said surreal as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. She she said that uh, she's trying to create poetry. She's trying to create like that reality itself. That dreams and imaginations reveal human nature, but that reality can be just as strange. Right. As, yeah. As <clears throat> um, uh, as uh, whatever the imagination can can occur especially when you can see it with the picture of um of the woman yes of la medusa yeah uh-huh. of the woman with her with her crown of lizards right yeah um, um or even in the picture she took of the festivals of the pre-columbian um uh or like pre pre-catholic mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. um uh, rituals that are done in the of the people who wear the masks yes. and festivals and who have icons and stuff like that um um and the, the picture that she took that I think that I really liked was of the girl dressed with the with with a headdress so in the, and the cross and everything. But she's standing in this like dilapidated circle. Yes. Uh, uh-huh, that uh-huh. It, it was very ominous and very creepy, but very beautiful yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's that's real. That's something that happens and- every year in a festival. These uh, the rituals of uh, of basically of the hints of the past right yeah i'm 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 sorry to cut you off but uh, one of the things that uh, i keep hearing from you is like very real mm-hmm. um and one of her works she was given permission to because diego rivera closed off yes. frida Kahlo's uh bathroom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um and for her to be the first one to go in there after several years after her death and to see like you know our restroom we go in there we brush our teeth we do everything yeah. we take mm-hmm. our shower we get ready uh you know All we the face the world yeah, yeah we face the world after after emerging from a restroom, which sounds kind of like weird, but it's for her, true. To, but, but for her to go into the restroom that had been closed off by Diego and left as it was as after it was. her death, and that's mm-hmm. another thing she says she did not uh, place or f- fixed things to have them in the frame of the picture she just took it as it was mm-hmm. she, except for her ashes <laughs> yeah except for the ashes <laughs> right she, she got in trouble she got in trouble from Frida's ashes, ashes. <laughs> and but, I mean like cause she she said that she felt that they belonged in there yeah and mm-hmm. uh, to some, to some I mean extent, yeah. the part of the part of that story that was very compelling to me and that was like 
when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, it like really hit me was that she said, like you were saying, you know, you go in there, it's the nitty gritty that you do. It's what you generally don't show the world. You mm-hmm. go in there to take a shower and wash off all the grime and to fix your hair and put on your makeup and you come out um, what, how you want to present yourself. Mm-hmm. And so the pictures that they did share um, or the depictions of the photos that she had taken were of things like, I didn't even know she had a fake leg. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Um, But pictures of like that just like haphazardly strewn in a bathtub Mm -hmm. or her um, her meds, her her medications that she took. Um, And uh, it, it was very, very just like. Um, powerful mm-hmm. yeah. to very see, yes to mm-hmm. see those things and to the way that she described them of, thi- of things that Frida tried so hard to hide from the mm-hmm. world yeah like the whole I didn't know she wore a corset yeah to oh. help her with uh, through the pain yeah right. of like um, she, I mean she was in, she lived with pain mm-hmm. she lived with pain and, uh, at times it was excruciating right and, mm-hmm. but it was constant with, mm-hmm. with her because of her accident and she also had polio at a very young age okay. so mm-hmm. um, there was a lot going on with her and you could see it through her paintings but but um and this is kind of amazing because this book is artists telling a story about an artist who then told the story about another artist yeah yeah it's 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 fucking beautiful (laughs) (laughs) and 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 um, uh, it's it's a very very beautiful book yes and i really like it gave me a picture to somebody who i didn't really know about right graciela iturbide and yeah. she has won so many awards. I mean, yeah. in the back, it lists all the things that sh- the awards that she has gotten. And it just is so super disappointing to me the fact that this amazing Latina Mexican woman who has done so much in her field of art, of photography, has accomplished so much. And that I had never heard of her before I in know. my life. Yeah. I was really. Um, disappointed in myself for not knowing who she was yeah. until this book came into our lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing is, um, I liked how she was uh, commissioned to take photographs of Chicano life here in Los yeah. Angeles, uh-huh. East LA. Yeah, yes. and I thought that was awesome. And she focused on um, on uh, actually the the true nitty gritty life of um, Latinos and, and um, Chicanos in East LA and mm-hmm. um, the photos that they shared of that and the story about how she how the the they want <laughs> the, the um, people that she was kind of embedded with and taking pictures of wanted to take her to see the mariachis right. um, and it wasn't actually a picture of mariachis it was a picture of revolutionaries yeah. uh-huh. uh, like Mexican revolution Zapata yeah and stuff like that so yeah the, I, I, I actually chuckled when I when so I did I. I was like, yeah. oh my god! But, but it, I, I felt like that really it ca- uh, that picture in itself and how she described it really encapsulated the East LA vibe. And she said it too that she likes to capture the in between. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. And and I really resonated with that. Yeah. I really liked that the fact that um, um that they're they're that the fact that they're Mexican, um they're Mex they're descended from Mexicans yeah but mm-hmm. they're not really from Mexico right. mm-hmm. but they're not really Americans because they're from Mexico right, right. and yeah. I, I I loved how she depicted that yeah and she even mentions about how some of them were deaf and that to even be more ignored um, mm-hmm. because of your disability yeah right. so 
So I, I think we're time, it's time to, <laughs> to actually rate the book. Um, and before we do, I do want to let people know that her photography is actually held in museum collections all over the place. And if you are local to Los Angeles, it can be found in the J. Paul Getty Museum right here in L.A., which is an interesting thing um, to know is that this is actually this this graphic novel is a Getty publication. I know. Yes. I know. That was just mm-hmm. astounding. When I read that, I'm like... I, I think of that guy who didn't pay the ransom for his grandkid. Okay, you guys aren't aware of that. There's a, there's a movie about, you know, Getty who they kidnapped his... Anyway, uh, for another time, guys. Okay. Oh, my God. But, <laughs> well, it's also, if you're not in L.A., um, you can see her stuff at San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. And then back down south, the California Museum of Photography that is in Riverside that is not too far out from Los Angeles. And then in Houston, there's the Museum of Fine Art. And in New York, there is the Museum of Modern Art. And in Philadelphia, the Museum of Art. She has ongoing standing installations in all of these places. Mm -hmm. Nice. Okay, guys, I guess we're ready to rate this book. Okay, well, this is Kristen, and I am. Read- I read this book twice, and there's still so many things that I actually want to say that we just haven't had time for because it's just amazing, and there's that many great points in here, but also we want to save some for you to read it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it is available at your local comic book shop. It's orderable, and you can do that at any of the places that are near you. Um, and I give it three conchas and a cup of champurrado. I'm going to second that. This is I'm going to third that as well. Dang. <laughs> you, got the, you got the cup of champurrado. That I mean, this book is amazing. I mean, I really highly recommend you pick it up. And I think it makes a wonderful gift. Um, mm-hmm. Like if somebody's birthday is yes. coming up. Yes. It's a very I mean it's a hardcover. It's it's so gift worthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um and I got a chance to meet um both Isabel and Seke at the San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. And you can see that little snippet video um on our Instagram. Cool. So I have um, a on my radar that actually calls back to something that we talked about a while back. Remember back in the day when, <laughs> when Infinity War was coming out and I was like, you know, there is. Um, well, actually, I think I'd already seen the movie. I was like, I'm so disappointed. There's no death. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I wanted was death. Um, and there was no death. And I was like, why did they change it? This is so well, horrible. Well, I mean, <laughs> technically speaking, there was a lot of death. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the character death. <laughs> um, and I remember saying, okay, I think I can understand how making Thanos' motivation to, um, you know, kill half of uh, all living beings um, uh, because of the fact that he's trying to vie for death's love. I could see how that would be hokey and how the the MCU people didn't want to go with that because it was um I don't know like oh Thanos in love you know oh that's silly mm-hmm. but nobody ever called me out on the fact that I was completely uninformed of the fact (laughs) that the movie was almost straight out of Silver Surfer Rebirth of Thanos. So... Let's hold that applause for a moment because we've had this this discussion before. So... I 
still think that her original criticism was correct because no one called her out. Yeah, nobody did. No one knew, and because I looked into this, they had never reprinted that storyline before. Yes. So this is actually <laughs> this book has just recently been reprinted from the single issues that originally came out in the late '80s, uh, which was right before the '91 release of um, Infinity Gauntlet. This is a direct prequel to Infinity Gauntlet, which in Infinity Gauntlet we all know he already has the stones he has the gauntlet Mm -hmm. in silver surfer rebirth of thanos it's his quest to go and collect all of the um, stones it's what we see in the movie Mm -hmm. and lo Mm -hmm. and freaking behold (laughs) death in the beginning of this book thanos is dead he he has a fight with avengers spoiler alert he's he they kill him he's dead oh my god he fucking died (laughs) (laughs) but in this book Death actually rises him from the dead specifically for the reason that she is upset with the fact that there are more people alive right now than there have ever died. And for her, that offsets the balance of all of the universe. Uh, And because she's death. She needs people to die. And so it is her idea for half of everyone to die. Oh, wow. And she rises, she raises Thanos from the dead specifically for that charge. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so it's her idea, and she's the one who tells him to do it. And because he loves her and he's... There's a little bit of um, some some also power-hungry um, stuff that goes on, too. I mean, it's Thanos, okay? Yeah. But, oh my gosh! So now I'm even more upset of the fact that there was no death in this movie because it was her freaking idea all along. Wow. Yeah. You get the cat today. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's classic Jim Starlin, Silver Surfer, Thanos, Death... Amazing story. Mm-hmm. I recommend it 100%. And I told Jen, dare I say, I like it better than Infinity Gauntlet. What? Yes. Yeah, she told me that. And I was just all like, <laughs> I guess I might actually have to read it then. And you're like, Zuh? <laughs> but either way, I still think her, her original criticism was fair. And the fact that no one called us out. No one and nobody in the store. None of the older people um, uh, who went to go see it. None of the yeah. uh, older regulars who went to see it and were just all like, we're, uh, we're in agreement with her too. Like, yeah. uh, this just tells me that no one was fucking reading Silver Surfer back then. Oh in the my God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no one knew what was happening. No one knew what was going on. So... The original criticism of death still not being in Infinity War is valid. Is valid. Mm-hmm. Yes. Got it. Well, this is Sarah, and I have an On My Radar. And uh, just kind of piggybacking on our book review, um, Isabel Quintero, I'm reading her book, Gabby, A Girl in Pieces, and it's really sensational. It's written in a sort of like a diary type of format. It sounds really cool. And I've had so many feelings about a lot of the things that she's discussing in her book, uh, which is written, again, in a kind of a a diary kind of format. So um, she basically is overweight, Latina, and she actually... Uh, is kind of too pale skin and so has to constantly like be 
not reminding people, but kind validate of her validating Latino her ness. Yeah. <laughs> and her best friend is coming out, had just come out, and he's also Latino, so there's a lot of oh, stuff yeah. going on there. Um, her other best friend, a female, just got pregnant. So there's a lot, and her dad is a meth addict. So there's a lot of that going on, that drama going on in her life. And, um, and of course, her... You know, her quest, I guess, uh, through this unforgiving world of chubby girls. <laughs> but, but it's it's such a great book. So that's what's on my radar. I um, That sounds great. It is a really amazing book. So if you guys get a chance or if you guys want to read something and, um, you know. Oh, and just to clarify, is this um, a graphic novel as well? No, this one is just a, it, it's just a book, guys. <laughs> It's just one of those, it's uh, one of those sucky <laughs> books with no pictures. <laughs> no pictures. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's what, quote unquote, some people call real books. No. <laughs> uh, take that back. Wash your mouth out Wash right your now. Mouth. I know, right? Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really great, It's a real, it was a really, uh, really great find for me, and I really, really enjoy it. So hopefully if you guys are in in um, kind of in between books, you might want to pick this one out. It's a... Uh, it's Gabby, A Girl in Pieces uh, by e- Isabel Quintero. So check that, check that out, guys. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen. <laughs> that sounded very like um, today in uh, <laughs> today. <laughs> Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> I was going to say, like, today in Days of Our Lives. <laughs> like, hours through the glass. Well, my um, my Junto Si Fuertes today is actually something that relates thematically to the book that we uh, read. And I had something else on um, lying to do, but I think I'm going I, I, I'm gonna to do that as well. But I really wanted to talk about this first. There is um, a gallery in Los Angeles called Las Fotos Project Gallery. Ooh, ooh. And um, they... Um, really focus on um, it's a, a lot of um, all um, Latinx creators that I've seen that have um, photo presentations uh, and installations there and right now they are um, actually doing a um, an installation called Thank You Islos and oh, the ooh. thing that really um, impressed me about this is that it is a solo show by a teenage girl Um, Metzli Garcia and um, it's uh, she's a a local youth photographer she has grown up and lives in East Los Angeles and um, it says that she poetically captures the culture values and spirit of her community through her lens as Garcia grows and moves on to pursue her undergraduate education at UCLA we get to see what she takes with her when she talks about East Los Angeles so um, I thought that was really cool. I mean, she could be a Graciela uh, in the making. And I mean, she yeah. has her own show um, at just the, the young age of 18. Wow. And if you Straight do happen. Yeah. And if you do happen to miss this particular uh, show, um, Las Fotos Project Gallery is always having really interesting, cool um, shows and opening nights. And they're located at 2658 Pasadena Avenue in Los Angeles in the 90031 and that's Lincoln Heights oh very interesting yep how come we didn't know about this before see there's so much stuff going on in LA that we really need to yes uh, uh, support yes and uh, find out about support the arts for sure absolutely especially for a place like LA Mm -hmm. we're all about the arts yeah yeah 
Yeah, and there's Latinos out there doing it all over the place. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my mind just wanted to say. So before Sarah gets inappropriate, I will go <laughs> forward with my next. Um, Juntos y Fuertes, which is um, the Queer Comics Database. Uh, Queer Comics Database, which you can find at queercomicsdatabase.com, is, uh, was it a .com? Yeah, .com. Um, It is um, a database whose mission is to facilitate access to comics that contain queer representation. This includes comics published in print and on the web, comics from major publishers, independent publishers, and self-published comics, comics for children, teens, adults, as well as all-age comics, and then also representation from across the LGBTQIA spectrum, as well as intersectional representation. So... um, they are uh, a database that you can go to, and if you're looking for recommendations or um, you want to just read diverse comics, this is a great place to go to look up um, any um, comics that deal with um, either queer creators or queer content. So mm-hmm. definitely um, check it out. Yeah, I, I was looking through the website, and one of the uh, titles that stood out was... Uh, my lesbian experience with loneliness. Yeah, we have yeah. that book in the shop. I thought, yeah, that is I, a great I, title. I ordered it. It was on, <laughs> an, on my radar a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Because I was just like, yeah. And there's um, a, there's a sequel to it called My Solo Exchange Diary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, titles are awesome. Yeah. Well, the database was created by Aidan Kwan and La Button as a capstone project for the University of Washington's iSchool program uh, with support from Geeks Out. Uh, Aidan is a Seattle-based queer non-binary comic book retailer, um, and their favorite comics, uh, queer comics include Fun Home, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, Nimona, and The Wicked and Divine. Cool. Thanks so much for bringing that Juntos y fuertes. Now, guys, it's time for saludos. Uh, we have some uh, some tweets and some messages and some questions that uh, some listeners shared with us. So uh, <laughs> I really like this one from Five Meets Comics. This is Ripping into Frank Miller equals Freaking Prices, <laughs> episode 35. <laughs> I'm glad to deliver. I will rip Frank Miller for free anytime, any day. You just, uh, yeah. I'm so when, to be of service. when I first saw that, I'm like, Frank Miller, wait, is that is right? That is right? that who it yeah. was? And then I Googled Frank Miller <laughs> reconstruction, and that was the first picture that came up. Like, yep, that's, that's who it, it was. <laughs> yep, that's right. That hideous, <laughs> that hideous picture came up. I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep pretty much. Um, Javier, Javier Hernandez, he says, please let the public know that the Latino Comics Expo is heading to Modesto, California, in March of 2019. So now you guys know that it's heading to Modesto, California in 2019. And you all know Latin Comics Expo in Long Beach that happened um, happens there yearly is an amazing event. Commodity mm-hmm. Comics was there last year. We had such a great um, experience meeting all kinds of people. All the creators there um, were Latinos or had Latino content and it was just so great. And the fact that he's taking it, like I'm big on access. Mm-hmm. I, I'm 100% 
for supporting getting comics into the hands of the people who might not necessarily have access to them otherwise. And the fact that he's going to take this show, this convention, to Modesto, which is in the middle of BFE, California, where it is highly um, uh, populated by a lot of um, migrant farm workers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm really hoping that there's going to be a lot of outreach. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it maybe i can talk to javier about how we can actually um make that a thing because um the fact that it's going to be there and it's being sponsored by um the local university um so i i'd really really love to see um some outreach to that population for sure nice Mm -hmm. he'd also like to remind us that you can pre-order your copy of days of the dead dia de los muertos special edition on at los comics m it's C O M E X dot store N V Y dot com. <laughs> we will put that link somewhere where it is yeah. intelligible <laughs> and you can just click. <laughs> but remember, we did um, we did review uh, Days of the Dead um, a couple of episodes back as well. And it was we loved it. It was episode 27. If you'd like to hear that. Um, also. Um, Eric Esquivel wanted to remind us that Border Town drops on September 5th. So that's exciting. I'm we, excited for that. Yes. Oh, my God. We I, all know. I put it on my pull list like months ago. <laughs> I know. I remember when you did, you're like, I want this on my pull list. I'm like, there's not even a solicitation for it yet, Sarah. <laughs> we didn't even have a date. Sarah. Yeah. But now we have a date and yeah. you're going to be there. You can get your very own copy ah, signed. I'm so excited. Honestly, guys, I'm super excited about this. Um, I got to read the uh, DC Vertigo panel um, um, comic, yeah. uh, kind of a snippet of what's to come, and the I'm preview. so excited. Yeah. Yeah, preview, that's what I was looking yes. for. But yes, I'm very excited about that. Also, uh, Michael Centeno, Centeno, Centeno 8, he says, uh, going to be starting a graphic book club at Tia Chuchas, uh, and he asks, any titles you suggest with people of color characters, culturally relevant or social justice oriented themes? So he's asking us for um, suggestions, guys. What First guys- of all, the fact that you're doing a graphic novel club at the Achuchas, I'm so excited and I'm there for it. And if you want us to come and be guests or hosts or any kind of anything... And um, if you want to talk to me um, on the side note of maybe um, getting books for your club, let me know. Um, I, I, you can hand me out the, you can get me the information after. Oh, yes. Um, but, um, so, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> and Tia Chuchas um, has been um, one of my Juntos y Fuertes in um, past episodes. We participated in their event in um, Pacoima a couple of months ago, which was really great and amazing, and we love it. So, I'm so happy to hear this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my recommendations for um, one of my recommendations that I would make for this group would definitely be Bitch Planet. Um, Bitch Planet uh, is all about um, social justice and uh, it's it's a futuristic. Um, gosh, how would you describe it? Futuristic. Uh, dystopia. Jail? Yeah, dystopia. <laughs> futuristic jail. <laughs> In another yeah, yeah, yeah. planet. 
So, so the Female? thing, the thing is, is that it, it really tackles a lot of, um, of stereotypes and tropes within, um, society. And I would highly recommend that if you can get your hands on any single issues, um, the back matter of Bitch Planet is so socially relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it deals with, um, marginalized groups, including people of color, as well as, um, LGBTQ, um, disabled like they it really just runs the gamut of the different topics that they that they talk about and I think it would be a great talking um, point a jump off for the group that you have Mm-hmm. And that actually reminds me of uh, when I actually met uh, Isabel Quintero. She was wearing a T-shirt, a non-compliant T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which uh, I made a reference to that. And she's, I'm like, I can't believe you're non-compliant. She's like, of course. So uh, that's kind of one of the themes in Bitch Planet. So she reads Bitch Planet. Yeah, so, cool. I mean, that just speaks to how amazing that book is. Yeah. Uh, any recommendations from you, Jen? Yeah, I would recommend, of course, the first book that we ever reviewed, Maggie oh, the yes. Mechanic. Yes. Because, like, if if um, a Bitch Planet is future dystopia, Maggie the Me- Mechanic is the possibility of a not like of a fu- of a Latinos in the future. Yeah. Uh, in a positive light. Right. Yeah. That is really cool and super awesome. Yeah. I would also recommend Ghost Rider. By Felipe Smith and Tread Moore, the one that focuses on Robbie Reyes. Mm-hmm. Not um, we also uh, reviewed that one. We mm-hmm. also did review that one, and um, um that and was... that one I would highly recommend just for the story and for the cultura as well. Yes, because um, uh, it takes place in LA. And it takes, takes place in Los Angeles. It takes place in Islos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Felipe does an amazing job with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we reviewed that one in episode six. So mm-hmm. if you guys want to hear that review, this is Sarah, and uh, my suggestion is um. I really like love Puerto Rico Strong. That mm-hmm. was just such an amazing yeah. book. It's it's huge. It's it has a lot of history. It taught me a lot of things. The art is sensational. There's works from a lot of people. So the end also all the proceeds go to uh the hurricane relief. So yeah. that's like so amazing. Um and also um I would recommend Po Noir. Uh, because that also was, I learned a lot of different things from some of the stories within those uh, comics. But that one is only two issues, right? Yeah, so right far. Now. Yeah, yeah, but, only two issues out so far, but two amazing yes, issues. Yes, you can read them over and over. <laughs> and to your point, Sarah, with Puerto Rico Strong, I do think that it's so important for, I mean, there could very well be Puerto Rican um uh, students that they are working with at Tia Chucha. Um, but um, the fact that we're on the West Coast makes it that, that so that maybe the possibility of that isn't as high as if they were on the East Coast. But I think it's so important for Latinos to learn about other Latinos. Mm-hmm. Um, and reading that book, I was so educated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I, I love that book. Um, also, Sonambulo, I really enjoyed. If you want something fun, uh, definitely Sonamulo by uh, it's uh, Rafael Navarro mm-hmm. and that was on episode 30 that we reviewed that one so those are I mean I could go on about recommendations but those are kind of like my main ones right now so hopefully that helps great great I guess that brings us to the end of our episode guys yes um, any shout outs where they can find us what's going on well as always you can find us on Instagram at Comadresy Comics or on Twitter at Comic Comadres 
or you can email us at comadrecomics.com uh, <laughs> <laughs> comics at gmail.com and you can find us on Facebook and we also have a Snapchat so thanks guys thanks for listening we, we have been your host I'm Sarah I'm Kristen and I'm Jen thanks guys bye bye, bye. bye.